Blog Talk Radio. I'll have some good days. I've had some hills to climb. I've had some weary days and some lonely nights. But when I when I look around and I think things over. All of my good days outweigh my bad days. I, I won't complain. Sometimes the clouds hang low. I can hardly the road I asked the question Lord Lord why so much pain but he knows what's best for me over my way Thank you, Lord. I, I want some blood. and been so good to me. Reverend 
Paul Jones, and we thank the Lord that we have none other than Apostle Alexander Lockme on the phone this evening. We thank God for him, and thank God for you, the radio listeners, for listening to us as we won't complain and turn it over to the Apostle himself, the burning bush. Let's get ready to receive the man of God. Amen. Apostle Yes, we thank God for this opportunity to share his word this afternoon. We pray that it will fall on listening ears, that it will cause somebody to be better and do better. But the scripture said that he ascended on high, and he gave gifts unto men for the edifying of the spirit, for the building up of the body of Christ, for the turn down of strongholds for the perfecting of the saints. So God gave us our gifts, not for ourselves, but he gave us our gifts to make one another better. We are not where we are going to be. We are not what we're going to be. We're not what we're going to be in God. We will, we're getting there. The Bible says we ought to go from one grace into another. We grow in grace and the eminence and the knowledge of the Lord. So with our gifts, we help one another in our frailty. The Bible says some got the weaker vessel. We have the weaker links in the body. Those that love the Lord and, and really want to serve God and really want to be a Christian, but they got frailty. They, 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 they got habits. They got hang-ups. They got strongholds. And we condemn them and we cast them to the side and we say they're not saved. They're not born again because they got issues. But the Bible says what we're supposed to do is use our gifts to perfect them. They're not perfected. Oh, they need to be perfected. They need to know that the God that brought us can bring them to. The God that delivered them when they was when you delivered you when you were smoking cigarettes. The God that delivered you when you were drinking alcohol. Oh, the God that delivered you when you were still doing some things you have no business doing and you say you were being born again. That same God will deliver them. So we can't get so holy and so righteous that we get up here and write people off because we done attained. Paul said we have not attained. We hadn't made it yet. Bible says don't say what you will and will not do. I don't care how annoying you are. I don't care if you had made no mistake in the last 25 years. The Bible says do not say what you will not do, but it said in the name of Jesus. By God's grace, we will not do this. By God's grace, we will not do that. So we thank God that we have an opportunity to help somebody get better, to perfect somebody, to call somebody to uh, give them the grace and strength they need to let go and let God. And let them know that they can walk above this habit. They can walk above this hang-up. They don't have to continue to allow these strongholds them, bound them, and imprison them. When God has nailed all our deliverance on the cross in Jesus Christ. For the Bible says he nailed all our affections and lusts to the tree. Oh, Pastor, I just can't. Yes, you can. You just got to let give it to Jesus. Let him have it. I don't care what it is. Let him have it. He ain't no yoke he cannot broke, break. Ain't no burden he cannot live. Ain't no mind he cannot regulate it. And you ain't going through nothing nobody else is going through because we all have been tempted by the same devil, and we, and, and, and we all serve the same God. So the God that delivered me will deliver you also. So we thank God this afternoon because we want to talk about hiding, H-I-D-I-N-G, hiding. And I want to talk for myself. We can't hide. We can't hide. God got all our numbers, and he knows where we live. 
and death has a warrant for all of us. We can't hide. Oh, we're going to die one day. We're not going to talk about death. I'm just going to share that with you, that we all got to die one day. And since we know we got to die one day, we ought to be making preparations for to meet that point, that appointment. It is appointed that every man wants to die. But after the appointment and the judgment, we all got that appointment. The day you were born, the day you made your first cry out of your mother's womb, was the day you started dying. Oh, yes, I know you started living too, but you start living and dying at the same time. Isn't that awesome? How we can live and die at the same time? We're living a new life. We're living a new child. We, we're growing up day by day, minute by minute. And we go from one year to two years to 10 years to 20 to 30 to 60 to 90, all depending on how long we live. But we're born to die. It is appointed to every man to die. And death is taking its hold every time we breathe our breath. As we get older, we're getting closer to death. But while we get older, we need to be making preparations. Amen. And we, and, but, but we can't allow the enemy to make us hide. I want you to know this afternoon, sin will make you hide. I said sin will make you hide. Anytime you get to messing with sin, that make you want to go somewhere and hide from God. The Bible said that in the book of Genesis, uh, the third chapter, the one through the 13th verse, it said that God would always come in the afternoon in the cool of the day, and God would come and talk to Adam, and he would talk to Eve, he fellowship with them, just like he wanted to do with us. God would want to have a fellowship with us. We just want to say we know God, but God wants more than that we know him. He wants a relationship with us. He wants a fellowship with us. He wants to talk to us, and we talk to him. And this is what God did. God would come in the, in the cool of the day in the Garden of Eden, and he would talk to Adam and Eden, and I don't know what he said to them, and I don't know what they said to him. But man talked to God, and God talked to man. And the Bible said that God talked to Adam and Eden in the cool of the day. And he did that every day. They had a conversation. They talked. What they talked about, I don't know, but nevertheless, it was a good thing. And it was something that God did for years and years. Now, you know, Adam lived to be 900 or something. So God did that for years and years. He talked with Adam, and they fellowshiped and had a good time. But one afternoon, God came down to talk to man, talk to Adam and talk to Eve. And the scripture said, he couldn't find them. And God asked where they was. He said, Adam, Adam, where are thou? Because God counted the privilege. God counts it a privilege to meet you in your fellowship. God counts it a privilege to meet you in your prayer room, in your prayer chamber, the place you have set aside to pray with God. God counts that a privilege. And when you're not there, oh, my God. It bothers God. It moves God because he don't know. He want to know where you are because that's where he meets you at every morning. That's where he meets you every day. And when he come there and find out you're not there, he's going to add, where are you? Where are you? And you can only be there in righteousness. You can only be there doing the right thing. When we start doing the wrong thing, you get out of your prayer room. You get out of your prayer chamber. When you start doing the wrong thing, you get out of that place of prayer that, that you meet God in. And then God got to ask, where are you? And so God asked Adam, Adam, what's going on? I come to meet you this afternoon. What's, what's going on? Where are you? Adam said, Lord, I'm hiding over here. Me and Eve is hiding over here in the wings. Hiding? What, what, what you doing hiding? I mean, what did I do to make you hide? 
They said, Lord, we was ashamed. Ashamed? Yes, we ashamed, Lord, to, you, to see us over here. We naked. We ain't got no clothes on. And the next thing God said, who told you that, that you were naked? Because, see, you've got to understand, Adam and Eve did not know they were naked, even though they didn't have no clothes on. God hadn't given them that, that knowledge. He had not given them that insight. They were innocent and did not know that they didn't were naked. They've been naked all the time, but they didn't know they were naked in their mentality, in their mind, in their spirit. God hadn't gave them that much knowledge yet uh, that they were naked. So when, when they told the Lord that they were naked, God said, who told you that you were naked? Because I did not. He said, did you take up the forbidden tree of I told you not to touch? Now, they hid from God. They ain't hid before. They've been out there in the open fellowshipping. But now that they, they, they done sin, sin opened up an avenue. It opened up a, a, a vortex that they had never ended before. Whenever they took of that forbidden fruit, it was not just a bite of a, of a fruit, but it, it opened up an avenue in, in, in the demonic realm. For it was a tree of knowledge of good and evil. So now that now that they have bitten at this fruit, they have entered into another realm in the mindset that they, uh, that they would never have before. And this is the evil realm, because you remember, it's a tree of knowledge of good and evil. They knew good, but they didn't know no evil. But now that they have bitten off this tree, now evil have inner end. Things that people do now that, that we would not do if he, they had not took of the forbidden fruit. They opened up a door to sin. They opened up a door to iniquity. They opened a door to ungodliness. Uh, they opened up a door to demonic forces that would not have been there if they had not. And that's why they said, we're naked. We ain't got no clothes on. And God said, I did not tell you you were naked. I didn't give you that knowledge. Unless you disobeyed me and ate of the tree of knowledge, that's the only way you should have, could have known that you were naked. And you know how that is. We always blame other people whenever we do wrong rather than accept the blame ourselves. And Adam said, that woman that died gave us me. She gave me the of the fruit, and I did eat. But see, God had already told Adam, way before he even made the woman, God had already told Adam, of all the trees of the garden, you may truly, freely eat thereof. But the tree of the midst of the garden of knowledge of good and evil, thou not, God said you are not even touch it, not let eat it, eat off of it. He said don't even touch it. For in the day you do, and thou shall surely die. And so that day death started in them. As I said earlier, it took them 900-some years to die. But death started. And the same death started in them when they sinned it, and the same death started in us when we sin. See, when you sin, Satan never tells you that you die. All he does is entice you to do the sin. All he does is try to deceive you and trick you and, and, and entice you to go do that wrong. But he does not tell you that death is behind that. The scripture said that the wages of sin is death. And the gift of God is eternal life. The scripture that he that soars to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. He that soars of the spirit shall reap everlasting life. So when you are sinning, when you are doing those things that you think nobody sees, God sees. But not only do God see them, you are bringing destruction. Because, see, the more you sin, the more you enter into the demonic realm. 
the more you enter into destruction, because ain't nothing in the flesh but destruction. You can if you sow the flesh, you ain't gonna get no righteousness. If you sow your flesh, you ain't gonna get no holiness. You ain't gonna get no anointing so under the flesh. Only thing you're gonna get is corruption. The more you sow into it, the more corrupt is it gonna do. It, the more abominable it's gonna do, the more uh, ungodly it's gonna be. The further you go into your flesh, see, we don't know who we are until we start sowing to our flesh. We only know who we are when we sow into the spirit. This is who we really are in the spirit. But but when we sow into the flesh, we're sowing into corruption. And then we find ourselves doing things and saying things. We never thought we were cursed. We never thought we would lie. We never thought we would be deceiver. We never thought we would do ungodly things. We never thought we would walk in that unnatural affection. But all these things is in the flesh. And the more you walk in the flesh, the more you walk into these things that I just named, the ungodly things, saying I want this and I won't do that. If you walk in the flesh, you will do these things because this is where these things are in the flesh. That's why Jesus said, so into the spirit. He that's walk in the spirit uh, shall have everlasting life. When you walk in the spirit, you go from one grace into another. You begin to lay things down. You get to walk away from the flesh. You begin to walk away from those carnalities that you had in the flesh, those habits and those strongholds. And the more you walk in the spirit, the more the stronghold breaks off. So we were talking about hiding. They hid from God because they had sinned it. That was the reason they hid, because they knew that they had did wrong. See, they didn't even realize that they were wrong until they bit the fruit. Once they bit it, uh, their, their, their eyes came open. See, Satan ain't going to let you know you're wrong until you go out there and do wrong. And um, listen, he ain't going to put no guilt on you why, uh, uh, until you do this. He's going to tell you to do it. He's he going to make it feel good at what you're doing. And just as soon as you do it, he's going to pull back the curtain, and he's going to point his finger at you and accuse you. But the Bible says Satan is the accuser of the brethren. But he's only going to accuse you after he gets you to do the mess that he tells you to do. Now, he ain't said nothing to Adam and Eve about how wrong this was. He did not make them feel guilty before they did it. He even said to them, uh, he even lied to them, deceived them. He took God's word and twisted it around. He said, God, did, did God not say that you could eat of the fruits in the garden? And Eve said, wait, no, 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 he did say we can. But he told us not to eat of the tree of knowledge and good in the midst of the garden. But, but so the servant said, you know what, Eve? The reason God don't want you to eat of that fruit of that tree, because he wants you to stay dumb. But you you must understand she didn't know she was naked, so it ain't like she was all that intelligent, you know. So it didn't take much for for the for the servant to see her when she wants all that knowledge from nowhere. He said, God don't want you to have no knowledge. He said, He don't want you to be like him, because if you go and eat of that tree, you're gonna be just like God is. And God don't want you like he is. He wants you to stay like you are. So he attempted her, he enticed her, he deceived her. And you know the scripture says she went and took of that fruit, and she ate it and gave it to her husband, and then they went and went and hid. We got people today hiding, hiding from God. Yeah, yeah, hiding from God and thank God don't see him. You can't hide from God. It's impossible to hide from God. I don't know why they even thought that, that they could hide from God, but they, they might as well have been standing out in the open. For the Bible said we can't hide from God. It said night and day. It's the same in God's eyes. The Bible said no one can hide from God. His eyes is everywhere on everything. We 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 we, we do. We must give an answer to everything we've done because God sees everything we're doing. He sees everything we're doing. I don't care. It's the blackest night. The moon ain't shining. 
You can be down in the wood with ain't 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 even no lightning bug, and it's just as dark as it can be. You might as well be standing in the middle at twelve o'clock in the day, cause God sees just that well. There's nothing. A lot of people have done a lot of dark things. A lot of people have hurt folks and took people lives, and and, and they think that 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 nobody don't know. But I come to say you notice you want to stand before God one day and give an account for that that you done. The same God that saw Cain kill Abel, and the same God seen the Pope you kill and call yourself hiding them in the wood or burying them in some grave or or or. or, or Stealing them somewhere far away that nobody knows that you did it. But I want you understand that when you take somebody's life, it ain't about the law no more. It's about God. Because God created man. And when you take somebody's life, then you are tapped into God. You've gotten God's attention. And God's going to deal with it. Now, just because he ain't did nothing, don't mean he ain't going to do with nothing. The scripture says some sins are revealed in now. And then some sins are revealed later. If God don't get you now for that thing you've done, for that life you took, you have to stand before him at the seat of judgment, and you're going to have to give an account for that life that you took if you don't repent, if you don't if you don't uh, get, uh, repent before God and ask him to save you and forgive you. I ain't there to tell you nothing. I, I did not tell you to go to the police. Now, I said you got to repent before God. Now, whether you go to the police or not, and maybe whether or not your conscience leads you that way, that, that's totally up to you. But I'm trying to share with you, you need to get it right with God because God is going to judge you for that life that you took. Just like he asked Abel, asked Cain, where is thy brother Abel? And Cain told me, I don't know. I mean, am I my brother keeper? Why are you asking me? But all the time. His blood cries from the ground. That person's life you took, whether it's some game you in to prove a point, or whether you did it just because you robbed them and you don't want nobody to know, or you hurt them in such a way you knew they would identify you, and you took their lives and, and it didn't mean nothing. You act like it's over. it ain't over. You're going to have to answer one day because their blood is crying from the ground to God, and God's going to vindicate. One day you're going to have to answer before God whether you do it now, you'll do it later. So we need to quit hiding. We need to quit hiding. We need to quit hiding and come straight out, come clean with God. Because God already knows what you're doing. You, don't, you, you can't hide from God. When you sin, God saw you sin. And, and he wants you to come clear. Then when you come clear, God is able to heal you. He's able to deliver you. He's able to set free. God rather tell you to tell him, God, I got a habit. I got a hang up. I, I got a stronghold in my life. And God, I can't seem to get the victory. And God will help you. But to act like ain't nothing going on is a dangerous thing because then God cannot help. What he said, Luke Womb and I spew you out, he rather you be hard or cold. So we need to we need to quit hiding from God. We we got folks in church hiding from God. Sit right in church. We sit right up in the church, call ourselves hiding from God. You can't hide God know what you did last night. God know what you did at the club. God know where you went. God know what the mistake you made. And you're gonna sit there wanna to come to the altar to repent. And you sit there, though, God don't know that you did what you did, but how many know that he knows everything we've done? And then, then the Bible said that 139, 7 through 14, listen to what it said. in Psalm 139, 7 through 14. It said, whether shall I go from the presence of the Lord? Whether, whether shall I go from thy spirit? Or whether shall I flee from thy presence? David is talking now. He said, if I sin into heaven, thou there. In other words, God already there before he got there. He didn't just 
get there when he got there. If I go to heaven, God is there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. Even if I go to hell, when I get God is there. In other words, God's everywhere. If I make my bed in God, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the wind in the morning and dwell in the other more part of the sea, if I fly to the other side of the oceans and then I'm going to the other side of the sea and keep on going as I get there, God is there before I get there. Isn't it something to know? This is what I'm here to say. Isn't it something to know that we serve an awesome God? He can be here and beat you over there. He can be here where you are and meet you where you're going. He already done beat you there. He's everywhere. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere at all places, at all times, because he's God. So we can't get away from him because he's everywhere. If I ascend into the heaven, they are there. He said, if I take the wings of the wind and say, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. He said, if I surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. In other words, David said, if I take darkness and cover myself up so God can't see me, he said, I might as well took a flashlight and shine it on me. He said, because darkness and light and God eyes are the same. You can't cover yourself with darkness and get away from God because he sees. Amen? He said, yes, the darkness hide it, not from thee, but the night shined it and the day. He said, the darkness and the light are both alike today. For thou hast possessed my realm that have covered me with my mother's womb. Other words, they were saying, you can't hide in the darkness. So you might as well come on clean because whatever you do, God sees it. Then let's talk about Jonah. Oh, y'all know about Jonah. The Bible told him to go to Nineveh. Because Nineveh was a, a wicked city. If I'm not mistaken, it had about five thousand or better than five thousand people who were wicked. They were, they were unsaved. I'm not gonna say they were like this city or that city because they were like Nineveh. They were a wicked city. They was ungodly, they was unholy. And God wanted Jonah to go there and re, and tell them repent because in forty days God said, I'm going to overthrow the city. Jonah got up, not to go to Nineveh, but he got up and went to Joshua. And he got on a ship, head to Tarsha, went down to Joshua, ran from God. Didn't even do what God told him to do. Called himself hiding, hiding from God. He might have talked to David before he took off running, but nevertheless, he took off running. Called himself hiding because he did not want to go to Nineveh and do what the Lord said. So he went down to Joshua, the very mistake, and got on a ship, a ship telling the Tarsus. And the Bible said he went down to the inward part of the ship and hid himself from God. And also the, the, the mates that, that wrote the ship did not know he was down there. But the scripture said soon after he did that, I want you to know sooner after you thought making the wrong move, God's got your number. I told you earlier, he knows where you live. Dale's got a warrant for you. 
God already knows where you at. He ain't got to find you. He ain't got to look in his book and see which way you went. God don't need no GPS. He see everything you're doing. He made the man that made the GPS. God knows where you at. He ain't got to pick up no calendar. He ain't got to pick up no map. He ain't got to put no, no GPS signal to find you. He sees every move you make. He knows where you at at all times. For the eyes of the Lord go to and forth throughout all the earth, beholding the good and the evil. So God saw Jonah, even though Jonah might even think he did, and there he was laying in a hidden most part of But God called a storm to care on the water. God called a, a storm to come up, and it was vehement. And the waters beat against the ship, and they beat, and they beat, and they beat, and they beat. Tossing the ship to and fro. But this was a storm like they had never before. See, those shipmen, those mariners, always been out in the ocean, and they always had ran against storms. But they were spiritually enough to know. See, you got to know when this storm is of God and when this storm is of the devil. Some of us are just so caught up in our flesh that, 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 we, that, that, that we don't know when the storm of the devil or where the storm is of the flesh. And then we'll get we'll say, well, the, 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 the Lord is judging me. The Lord is testing me. Uh, no, 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 no. You need to know whether or not this storm coming from your sin or whether this storm coming from a trial. Because this storm you're going through may be coming from a sin and not from a trial. And if it's coming from your sin, it may not. It, it may mean no limitation on when the outcome going to come. And you keep on going through year after year telling the Lord is that God is not going to not test you no 20 and 30 years about the same thing. God's going to bring you there always the sunlight out of every storm. Amen. And God puts no more on than we're able to burn. But he make a way of escape. So Jonah went down and he hit him apart and the storm raised it. And as I say, the mariners knew that this was not a natural storm. They knew that this was a storm from God and God was mad at somebody. God was upset because of what somebody else do. We see all this stuff going on in America today and we think it's just natural. But I come out and tell somebody God's upset. God is mad. God is angry. The same God that get upset and angry in the Bible in the Bible days is that same God today. And we're doing worse now than they did in the Bible days. And why we think God ain't going to get angry? Why God ain't going to get upset? Why, why judgment ain't in the land? Why we think that God allowed these pledges to come? The devil didn't bring this pledge. The devil can't kill nobody. With God's permission, without God's permission, the devil can't take none of our life. He told him, touch Job, but don't take his life. The devil can't bring no pledge through here and kill everybody, and, and God sit back and do nothing. He don't have that kind of power. Well, see, our churches started getting corrupted, and we started letting corrupted things come in our churches, and, and we just started just, anybody can sing in the choir, and anybody can preach in a pulpit, and anybody can usher at the door, and anybody can work on the trustee board, and anybody can be the assistant pastor. No matter whether they're living anything or not, and we corrupted God's churches. Don't you remember? Whenever the children of Israel corrupted the land, God allowed them to be taken into captivity. He said, now my land is at rest. He said, now my land is at peace. God said, now my land is holy. Because he had allowed them to be delivered into the hands of the enemy because they started serving idols. They started burning their children on the altar like the rest of the nation did. And the land became corrupted. And God had to have them delivered. 
to the hands of the enemy just for the land to be clean. And God had allowed his plague to come through. So we had to shut the church doors. We couldn't even have church. No, but I, one thing about it, the church is holy now. The church is, the door may be shut, but in God's eye, the church is holy. God had allowed a distance. He had allowed a plague to come through in order to clean the church. So now that God is opening up the door, now that he's sending the plague away, now that he's giving us another chance, we need to check ourselves. We need to see what's hiding in our church, and we need to see where we're hiding in the church, and we need to check ourselves and make sure that holiness is in the pulpit, that holiness is ushering on the door, that holiness is on the trustee board, that holiness is in the choir stand. I don't care that ain't but one singing in the choir. You let them say that, that one sing until you get two to get holy, until you get three to get holy, then when you get five to get holy, then when you get 20 to get holy, then you put them in the choir. Don't put them in because they're your cousin. Don't put it there because they 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 can the the ancient mama they they can the Lisa May. Don't put it there because they can see in the bed of Lou. You put them there because they've been saved and sanctified, Holy Ghost filled and five baptized. You put them there because they love God, and then God will be pleased. We hide behind our sins, and God don't like it. It's time we come clean. It's time we get from hiding behind our sins. So the mariner knew that something was wrong. So they went all over the ship trying to tell everybody to pray. Everybody pray. Pray to God. Pray to your God. They didn't say pray to God. They said pray to your God. Oh, if you got a God, you need to pray because this ship is about to say We ain't never had a storm like this. And they found Jonah laying down there asleep in the bottom. And they asked him, who is you? Why are you down here asleep? You need to be praying. Pray to your God. Who is your God? Where are you from? Well, what's going on? Why, why are you down here asleep? And Jonah came clean. Jonah told us, listen, I'm running from God. God told me to go to Nineveh to preach to the people, and I, I didn't want to go. So I ran. I ran, and, and here I am. I, this storm is because of me. I called this storm. Somebody need to check yourself and see that you called that storm. Is that storm you're going through, is it your fault? Is it your fault that your marriage broke up? Is it your fault your husband gone? Is it your fault your wife gone? Is it your mouth that ran your husband off? Is it your mouth that ran your wife off? Husband, is it your doing that caused her to leave? Did you forget to love her at Christ love the church? Did you forget to reverence her at Christ love the church? Wife, did you forget to be submissive to your husband as God told you to, and now he's gone? Sometimes you got to see who fault he is in order to problem yourself. If you don't never find out where the fault is, the problem is going to keep on going over and over again. And we hide from the fault. We, I'm talking about hide now. We hide from the truth because we don't want to humble ourselves to say we were wrong. To humble ourselves and say, yes, I said that what I said. I, I told him to leave. I told him I don't care. I don't care if he don't never come. When we really didn't mean it. Sometimes we have to humble ourselves and find out that we're the fault. We're Fault. So, so Jonah told him, "I'm the reason." So even after that, they still tried to save the ship. They still said, "Okay, okay, okay. We understand you in the fault, so we're gonna do what we can." And they tried to, they tried to, to, to control the ship. They got so bad because they looked like there was no hope. Jonah said, "Throw me overboard, and, and the storm shall cease." They didn't want to do that. They still tried to not do that. But when they saw that there was no other choice, they picked Jonah up and threw him overboard, and, 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 the, and the sea calmed. But it ain't so good. Ain't it good to know? Ain't it good to know that God had a fish, a whale, a fish, and whatever you want to call it? 
He created a fish. The scripture said he created one big enough to swallow Jonah. Uh-huh. And three days and three nights, he stayed here. Now he hiding. Now he is hiding. He's hiding in that fish belly. Three days and three nights, he hid in that fish belly, away from the presence of God. And he begged God, God, please give me another chance. Lord, if you give me another chance, somebody need to ask God for another chance. Somebody need to come out of hiding. Oh, shot out of the bullshit. Somebody need to come out of hiding and ask God, God, give me another chance. Lord, I'm hiding from you, Lord. I done done you wrong, God. I, I, I don't go to church like I used to. I, I, don't, I don't sing in a choir like I used to. I, I, I'm not the person that I used to be. Before you bless me, Lord, I, I don't come short of your glory, God. I got sin in my life, and I'm hiding that sin. But God, forgive me. Forgive me, God. Give me another chance. I'll go, God. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll do what you want. And that's what Jonah did. Jonah asked the Lord to forgive him. And the scripture said that the fish, oh, my shay, throw Jonah up on land. Now, understand that, that I believe they said it was a three-day journey where Jonah had to go to Nineveh. But Jonah made it in one day. Jonah, Jonah cleared, it, cleared the ground in about one day. He turned three days into one day. He ran into Nineveh sliding. You have to do what the Lord said because God gave him another chance. And God forgave him for hiding. Somebody, God wanted to tell me somebody hiding. I don't know who you are, but you're hiding behind her. How many know you can hide behind her? Making excuses out, Lord. I don't go to I don't go to church. I D people that D people. Honey, you can't hide behind her. Everybody been hurt. Ain't none of us have not been hurt. All the radio world been hurt. I've been hurt. Everybody been hurt. And if I had to go on when I was hurt, you got to go on when you hurt. You got to wipe the tears out your eyes. You got to ask God to forgive you and get back in your church. Get back in your choir. Go back and fellowship with the people. God said, forget not to fellowship. Forget not to, to fellowship one with another. This is where our strength comes from. This is where our blessings come from. This is where the anointing comes from. The Bible says we get not to assemble ourselves together, and the devil make us hide. But listen to me. He'll make you hide at the house. It's time to get back in the church. Now we now we're hiding on the radio. I, I, I know I I know I know we had to do this when the when 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 COVID was here. I, I know we had to do this radio stuff and do and do this stuff on so because we couldn't come together. But but it's over now. We can come back together. We ain't got to keep hiding on the on, on the radio no more. We ain't got we we ain't got to keep hiding. We can get back and summer ourselves because if we don't get back together and we don't open our churches back up and come back, the devil's gonna destroy your church. He's gonna destroy the members of the church. He's gonna destroy those sheep. And then pastor, you're gonna be responsible because you did not open back up the church to feed the, the flock. The radio. I I know, yeah, I thank God for radio food. It's good, but it ain't nothing like a seminar sale. It ain't nothing like fellowship. It ain't nothing like having church service where we can come together and, 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 and be strength one to the other. And so Jonah went there, and he did what the Lord told him to do. But he said the reason he didn't go because he didn't want God to forgive Nineveh. Ain't that something? We can't be like Jonah. We can't hide in our feelings. We, we can't hide in our salvation. 
We 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 can't act like that 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 this salvation is album and we can't share it with somebody else and because they did so wrong, you know people out there have been living an ungodly life for years. They've been doing it for twenty years, fifty years, eighty years, and now God trying to save them and you mad because you knew what kind of life they live. Listen, baby, God had no respect of a person. He'll say you at twenty, he'll say you at sixty, he'll say you at eighty. And the person he saved maybe the person you don't like. But you got to like them. You got to let the grace of God uh, 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 change your heart. And Jonah was upset and angry. And Jonah said, I knew. That's why I ran, because I knew you were going to forgive them, and I didn't want them forgiven. A wicked city, ungodly city. I was, Jonah was sitting back waiting for God to destroy them. So he said in 40 days he's going to bring judgment. And Jonah wanted God to judge him. And while he sat there under that shade tree, God sent a worm to eat the tree down so the sun beat on him. And it scorched him and beat on him and tormented him. And God asked him, Jonah, why are you mad at me? Because you forgave them. I knew you were going to forgive them. That's why I didn't come. So why would you send me here unless you were going to forgive them? So that's why I ran and went the other way. But God said, Jonah, this is 5,000 people, over 5,000 people that don't know right from wrong. Why should I not forgive them? And God gave them another chance. God's a merciful God. If you're hiding, I come to tell you to come out from hiding. Come out the closet. Come out from hiding. I don't care what you're doing. Come out from hiding under your sin, from hiding in a backslidden state, huh? So God can use you. You'll be a blessing to somebody else. He got our number. He know where you live. He gifted you. You don't backslid from that gift. You made a mistake. You failed. Folk hurt you so bad. Got you thinking that now God don't want nothing to do with you because you messed up and you were gifted. You, you sinned it and you were an apostle or a prophet or an evangelist. And now they got you uh, uh, hiding, hiding in grief, hiding in shame. But I come out and tell you to shake that shame off. Forgive yourself. Take that title. Take that gift. Put that banner back in your hand and run for your life. God is a forgiving God. He'll forgive you. You made a mistake. He'll forgive you. You got to answer to God for that gift he gave you. You can't got to answer to man. So what, those that don't believe in you? As long as you live, you're going to meet people that don't believe in you. See, man and man and man ain't like God. God is merciful. Man ain't. Man may never forgive you. Man may never pull that reproach from over your head that he knows about you, but that's all right. That's no reason for you to go in a corner and hide. There's no reason for you to sit down somewhere and quit. There ain't no reason for you to throw in the towel because man wrote you out. Because man don't want to hear you preach. Man don't want to hear you prophesy. Man looks at you funny because man knows you committed adultery. Man knows you committed fornication. Man knows you had an affair. Man knows you robbed a bank. Man knows you did it. Man knows you were drinking and you both have been saved. Man just holding this all over your head and you won't walk with it before God. You won't walk in that calling because man man looks at you funny. Honey, man didn't create you. Man didn't save you. Man didn't die for you. Jesus died on the cross for you. We all done sinned. And come short of the glory of God. And I encourage the fallen as I bring this to an end. I come encourage all those that have fallen down, all those that's hiding and, and hurt, all those that's hiding in a backslidden state, all those that's hiding because you feel like you're not worthy, uh, the, the walking, the calling that you walked in. Is that all right? You young girls, you done had a baby, and you feel so ashamed. Get back in that choir. Ask God to forgive you. 
You get on back and you let salvation find its place back in your life. We all made mistakes in life. If the story were told, we all done mess up and just ain't told it. You get up from there. Let that stop you. Stop your career. Stop your walk with God. Don't you be overcome with shame and with guilt that you don't want to walk in the calling and walk in that. You get back in that choir. Ask God to forgive you, anoint you again, and sing one more time because you are singing for the Lord. I come to all hiding folks. It's time to quit hiding now. It's time to come out of the dark. Come out from hiding on your brokenness. Come out from hiding from your wounds. Come out from hiding from, from, from your shortcoming and your fault. And come on and do what the Lord say do. It's time to run for our life. It's time to lay down every weight and every sin so easy beset us. It's time to hold up holy and it's time to hold up clean hands. It's time to bring holiness back in the church. I say to all pastors, bring holiness back in the church. To all choir leaders, bring holiness back in the church. To all ushers at the door, bring holiness back. And all deacons, uh, bring uh, bring holiness back in the church. All ruling elders, bring holiness in the church and holy. God is holy. Stop being holy. He's holy. He always be holy. And I come out and tell you, bring this holiness back in the church. Walk the walk, talk the talk, lift up the standard so that we can inspire those that are lost. They can see God. They, they don't, the world don't know no God, but the God they see in us. So I thank you for listening this afternoon, and I say that it's time to stop hiding. It's time to come clean. It's time to have an inventory of yourself. It's time to see, is you the fault? Are you the reason? Because if you go into this year blaming others, at the end of this year, you're going to still be in the same mess you're in. But if you can come clean like the prodigal son did and realize that the fault isn't you, you you came short of God's glory. You took your hand out of God's hand. You allowed the devil to put his shoes on your feet, and you just where you are. But I come out and tell you, where you are, ain't where you got to stay. Where you are is not where you got to stay. You can make this day a brand new day and get up from your hiding. Wherever you're hiding at, you need to get up from your hiding. Anoint yourself with oil. Talk to your God and give it another chance. And I declare unto you that God will take you to higher heights. He'll take you to deeper depths. He'll take you on a ride you ain't never been on before. In Jesus' name, amen. Apostle? Yes, amen, amen. That's real beautiful what you just said about hiding, that we need to stop hiding. Can you give examples of hiding? Even if you step on some people's feet, they just got to say, ouch, what's some things of hiding? Like I know some people say sometimes, I give an example myself, they say, well, me and my husband are married, and they know they're not married that they're living in sin, that they're shacking up, that they got to get it right before God. Is there another example, Apostle? Well, yes. I mean, you, 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 God, we're going to have to give an account for the, for the sins that we commit. And we can't, we can't live in sin and expect to, to walk with God in glory one day. And we hide behind those sins. The Bible tells us to lay those sins down. When something in front of you, you're hiding. And the Bible says they're all they were waiting to sin so either beset you. And we realize that that is wrong. Yes, God is a forgiving God, but you're living in sin. You're not married. That ain't your husband. That y'all had y'all had went and, and made that vow. So for that reason, if God come now, if He come while you in that, 
then, then, then you ain't going to be no walking around. We say walk around heaven all day. Ain't going to be no walking around heaven. You're going to be lost. You say, yes, God is forgiving God. But the Bible said in the Revelation, it said, he that is filthy, what did it say? Let him be filthy still. He that is holy, let him be holy still. He that is walk, uh, uh, righteous, let him be righteous still. Otherwise, whatever state you be in when God comes, that's the state he's going to judge you in. He's not going to judge you to be righteous if you're wrong. He's going to be wicked, let him be wicked still. So be, be watchful and mindful that, that you continue to live in that, in that, in that backsliding state because no backslide is going to heaven. You know, I watch TV, how they are promoting different things that is sinful to God. Like, it's it's okay uh, to do X, Y, and Z. They publicize it on TV, and they can confuse our kids. And I know a lot of people don't even want to touch that particular subject, but they talk about God made one man and one woman. But it's somewhere in the scripture where they said that, that they forgot the natural use thereof. Do you remember that scripture? Can you tell us about that? Uh, yes. Uh, yes. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned it. But uh, Paul had mentioned that, and uh, I don't have the scripture up before me at the present, but Paul mentioned that we they forgot the natural use of the, of the, of the woman and began to, uh, woman to woman and man to man. Paul called it an unnatural affection. Other words, it's not a natural affection. It's an unnatural affection. It's the same affection that they had in Solomon and Gomorrah. It was an unnatural affection. Men loving men and women loving women and burning in their flesh one to the other. Now, I tell people this, and I say it like this. Now, if God accepts this new life, this new, new, new phrase, this new wave going around where Men are married men, the women were men, and God accepts it now. Then God got to go all the way back to Solomon and Gomorrah and all the city that he destroyed, and he got to ask them to forgive him and repent to them and tell them he's sorry that he killed them and took their lives because he accepted what's going on now. And we know God's not going to do that, but God is not a God that he will repent and that he's a God that he'll lie. So God did not accept it then. And he does not accept it now. And I encourage anybody that been caught up in these unnatural affections to get out of it because it, it, that, that you will not go to heaven living this kind of life. It, it, it's biblical. The Bible said this is an abomination. And no abomination. And the Bible said in Revelation, no abomination shall live in the city. That's why they said that Solomon and Gomorrah, that, God destroyed the city because of that particular wickedness? But yes, just because of that particular wickedness. But God looked it down and he saw it. And you notice that whenever the angel went to the city, it proved that that's what God destroyed it for. For that when the angel went to the city and it was standing outside, uh, the men of the city tried to want it and saw the angels, and they came to Lot house, asked Lot to send the angels out so they could be with them. And that tell you how wicked the city was. There were men. Lot had daughters that were married and had never been with their husband because their husband was out there with other men. So it was an abomination in the city, and God saw it from heaven. But he said the angels that would be a witness, he said if he could find ten men, ten righteous, he would have spared the city. But when he got there, he found out that it was only three. Only three. Well, actually, there were four. But one, you know, Sarah, uh, uh, Abraham, I mean, uh, Lot's wife returned. 
and to a pillar of salt when she came out. But the city was an abomination. It was all because of, of, yes, that unnatural affection that these men had one for the other. Wow. So you mentioned that Lot's wife turned to salt. What was the reason that she turned to salt? Because she looked back on that wickedness and knew it was wicked in her heart. She didn't want to let it go. She didn't want to turn it loose. And God, that's why God said, don't look back. When God, the Bible said, come out from among them and touch not the unclean thing. God said, when he bring us out, don't be entangled again in these sins. I mean, it ain't enough for you to come out of that affair where you've been another man. It's not enough for you to come out of the affair where you with another man's wife or another woman, another woman, another woman's husband or another man's wife. You got to get those thoughts out of your head, out of your heart. You can't live in those abomination thoughts, those ungodly thoughts, and even you out of the relationship. You got to come out of the relationship, and you also got to come out of that adultery spirit. And see, she came out of the city. But her heart was still in the city. And when she looked it back at that abomination, which God called abomination, she turned into a pillar of salt. So is that what they mean by that reprobate mind? Yes, her mind had been tormented. She, she remembered the scripture said that Lot, Lot, Lot was vexed. His spirit was vexed from day to day. That Lot's spirit was vexed. You imagine what her spirit was. And her mind had been reprobated until they had been they accepted that lifestyle. And they was just living there. And she, she had accepted that lifestyle. Her, it was okay. Wow. What is this that they talk about in Revelation about the daughters of Jezebel? It's something about seduce the men of God or something like that. What is that about? Yes, that's lust. That's lust. Satan is using lust now, and the lust is in the uprise now. It's just, this is gone. I mean, it's it's embarrassing to even talk about the things that that they do now in, in lust. Lust has no limit. It has no morals. It has no foundation. Uh, you know, no, no. You, you just do whatever. You know, and and this is where they were. They 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 they, they had this this. This Jezebel, this lustful spirit on them, where they was not fearful. They was Jezebel was not afraid. Jezebel did whatever she wanted to do, and that's what you have a Jezebel where you ain't afraid. You you know you have no more. You have no fear. You just do it, and it's okay. Do what you want to do. Wow! So it seemed like a spirit of lust seemed to touch the very elect or tempt the very elect of God all through the Bible, from Abraham to David to Solomon. Look like even uh, down to uh, Samson, it was those type of seduction spirit that they come after the leaders or chosen people of God. Is that correct? Yes, cause yes, uh, just like uh, uh, Joseph. Look how anointed he was. I mean, who could have been more anointed than he was? And yet, yet, the, yet, 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 the, uh, the, his wife come out to him, and he, and I mean, he with all his resisting her, she still didn't want to stop. And 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 they're coming out to the head of the church, coming out the leaders of the church with no fear. It's a lustful spirit. It's an adulterous spirit. It's a Jezebel spirit, you know. So that spirit of lust can not only go for each other, uh, male with male and female with male, but it could go even to the children. That is so sad. What do you say about that? People lusting after minors and children. Well, it, it's it's it's. The way they 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 call it uh uh child molesting, molesting, but it's a spirit. It's a spirit. It just like just like the spirit of man lusting after man. They 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 don't lust after man. They lust after children. 
five years old and six years old. Uh, and 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 they just like they don't want no grown woman. They don't want to. They're not lusting after a grown woman. A grown woman doesn't satisfy them. They're, they're enticed, and they're enticed by a young child, seven and eight and nine and ten and eleven year old. That's what moon, and that's what kind of spirit is on them. Wow. So if it's a spirit of lust, I even see something. I read something. I was shocked that a man married his horse, or it's called beastology or something. What is that? Well, the revelation said that it's an abomination. That's what revelation. I mean, not revelation, but Genesis said it in the in book of the Old Testament. It said it's just an abomination. He talked about laying with animals. Uh, um, he a man that lay with his beast. If a, if a woman lay with a beast or a man lay with a beast, they ought to be should be killed, and they'll be killed too. It's an abomination. And God don't even try to explain. It. He said it's an abomination. And I looked up the word abomination. It means it's, it's disgusted. It's it, it just that God is sickening to his stomach. It just, it, you know, it makes God throw up. And you know God can't throw up. That's what the scripture said. It makes him throw up. It's a sickening to him. Yeah, I was shocked when I read a man married his horse or some of them have affection towards animals in an unnatural thing because I know God made animals as pets, as companions for us just to give us comfort. But then you read some are actually having sex with these uh those type of animals and everything. I was very surprised by it. Is there any words of wisdom that you could give the radio or especially all over the world because that can hear this about beastology, uh, about what we're saying about uh, lust and things like that? And even I know people may not like it, but even about homosexuality is in the word of God. Is there any uh, thing that you would like to say in reference to Scripture? I've just said if you're a part of these things, then you need to get out of it because don't be deceived thinking that you're going to have eternal life. You cannot have eternal life walking in anything. Or like I said earlier, if God gives you eternal life, yes, he can save you. Don't get me wrong. If you're in it right now, if you're doing it, he can save you. But you've got to let him forgive you and cleanse you. You can't get saved uh, 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 with these unnatural things and then keep them. The Bible says old things pass away, behold, all things become new. No, I would not tell you that he will not save you because he will save you just the way you are. He will just save you in, your, in, your, in the state that you're in. If you're loving another man or loving another woman yet, God will save you right where you are. But your life got to change. You've got to tell that man bye-bye. You've got to let your kids and say goodbye. You know like the songwriter said, you've got to discontinue that relationship. You can't continue in the relationship when God saves you because salvation come to change you. Salvation don't come to help you accept the wrong you're doing, but it comes to change you from that wrong. And I say to anybody caught up in the unnatural affection, that get out of it. And God can help you get out of it. When you know the truth, the Bible says when you know the truth, walk therein. Don't think, I know that the law has been passed, and the law gives men and women permission to marry one another, but God law didn't. Man law ain't going to get you to heaven. God law is. Well, you just said that in those who are clergy persons who feel it's their right to marry according to the Bible, not according to man's law, is there any words of encouragement you'd like to say to them? Because some people are going to stand on the word of God, even if they take them to court. Yes, we got to stand on God's word. And, and just because, see, remember, it bothered me when it first happened and it started getting them permission. But God let me know, stand on my word. 
stand on his word and let man law. Man, he said, give the Caesar what the Caesar and give the God what is God. So I say to you that are preacher and pastor leader, let give the Caesar what is Caesar and give the God what is God. Wow. That is really good. I think one day we need a part two of this. But can you yeah. do a prayer, Dad, before we close out? Because I see our time is winding up for all of those who want to be forgiven of their sin and walk right with God. Can you close us out in prayer? Yes, God, all those that are caught up in the perverseness, Lord God, caught up with the unnatural effect of man loving man, woman loving women, uh, uh, perverse messing with children, God, messing with animals, all kind of abomination going on in their life, God. I pray that you forgive them, that you would grace them, that you would give them the blood of Jesus that will wash them and cleanse them and, and give them another chance, Lord, and make them whole that they might be able to go to heaven. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen and amen. Again, you've been listening to The Burning Bush by Apostle Alexander Lockamy. We ask that you listen every Thursday from 7 o'clock p.m. to 8 o'clock p.m. If you would like to call him and to talk more, even for prayer, what is your phone number, Apostle? 910-658-5206. 910-658-5206. Again, you've been listening to The Burning Bush. God bless you. Tune in next week. Amen and amen. Thank you, Apostle. Thank you. Be blessed. I'll have some good days. I'll have some hills to climb. I've had some weary days and some lonely nights. But when I when I look around and I think over, you know what, all of my good days, outweigh my bad days, I won't complain, sometimes the clouds hang low, can hardly see the road. I ask the question, Lord, Lord, why so much pain? But he knows what's best for me. Thank you.
Charlie, my medicine in there. 